you got to keep the big picture that, hey, we're changing the world. We're changing the world. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse to their industry. Pulse Welcome to, to Electric People. We have Dave Madsen on the show. Check out Tim Ballard. Jeff Curl. Sheckler. Kenzie Watts. The League presents Electric People. We are back. Happy Friday. Happy Electric People Day. We are sitting here with Brock Morrison. I've never said Happy Electric People Day, but they come out like, every Friday. I feel like you're getting silly. Well, I've been in the studio for a long time today. <laughs> so, uh, we're here with Brock Morrison. What's up, Brock? What's up, guys? How are you, dude? Really good. Good. It's good to see you. Good to be here. Um, for you guys that don't know Brock, you should just know Brock. That's the intro. Just kidding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, 350 installs, um, running a flagship team in Thousand Oaks. Just split off another team with your partner up there, up in San Luis Obispo. Long-term member of the franchise one of my favorite dudes, and another Southern Utah original. Small town guy. Mm. Small town guy, man. Yep. So Aurora. You got stories for us today, I'll bet you. I feel like small town guys always got they stories. They always got stories. But yep. you don't think they're stories, but then when someone from the city hears them, it's like that in and of itself is yeah. a story. Yeah. Um, how'd you get into the industry? So um, I was going to school in Cedar City, SUU. Yes, um, T-Bird. <laughs> T-Bird Nation. Oh, that's where you were the long yeah, snapper. Yep, well, Adam, Adam, long here snapper. Was, Adam here was a long snapper on the football club. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I did not play long snapper as a primary position. Well, you told me outside. I just happened to know how to long snap. And so, as a result, I was the backup long snapper. Okay. And I never had to actually long snap. It's a good position. I feel like my intro saying you were the long snapper is better than you saying you were the backup no, long snapper. No, because <laughs> being the long snapper is not a glorious position. It's was well, a backup like, long snapper now better? Now, if I was a long snapper in the NFL, fine. Fine. So be it. You can still get there. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Can yeah some hard work. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So you're at, uh, you're in Cedar City going to school. Cedar City going to school, uh, holding down three jobs. Really? Yeah. What were you doing? So uh, I, was a, I was a waiter at Denny's. It was my, my biggest part of the career. Is being a waiter at Denny's in a college town super obnoxious? You get like all the kids at like midnight on Trying Sunday. Trying to dine a dash on you? Yeah, that was the most, I mean, that, you always seem frustrated when that happened, but it was also pretty lively. It was just uh, always stuff happening. So days went by pretty quick and tips were pretty good, you know? But okay, so Denny's what, was good. On, what years were you there? 2005 and six. Man, I just missed you. Yeah. I was Did you see Adam and his long snapping pants coming? Yeah. That's enough, Ty. <laughs> well, I redshirted as a freshman there on the team. We kind of talked about that a little bit. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, we barely missed each other by sure. a year. We kind of missed each other by a year a little bit with everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what but, position did you play on the football team? Uh, running back. Is that better than a long snapper? Yes. Uh, hey, every position has hey. value. Yeah. Everything's yeah, I'd important. I'd say the running back touches the ball more in the long I'd say the position yeah. of the guy that pays money to come to the game, so I'm adding some value. That's too. right. That's right. So you're working at Denny's. What else? Yeah, Denny's was the main one, but I was a snowboard instructor up at Brian Head. Okay. And so usually I'd go up there in the mornings and do a couple of sessions and then come back down and work, work Denny's night shifts. And uh, then my parents owned a trucking company, and we had a service truck. Um, a lot of our trucks run right through Cedar, and so I had like a service truck that we just kept in a storage shed with parts and tires and stuff. In case so, like a truck needed it or something. Yep. Any so all that me. while you're going to school? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, uh, m more of the workload was like the summer before 
school started. And then when school started, um, I, uh, I didn't do the snowboarding stuff as much just because it was during the day. But um, anyway, so yeah, SUU and um, ran into, uh, kind of got connected to Zach Allred, uh, Z Money through Luke Harrison. And um, Luke and Ty Mick are really good friends and were recruiting to go work for Platinum um, that next summer. Go sell in the summer. Go sell alarms, yeah. And, uh, and I never thought that I wanted to do that or anything, uh, but talked to Zach. And um, the first time I met with, I think it was Zach and Tyler, like time it came down, I just like got done from like service in a truck and changing tires. <laughs> and I come in and I'm just like covered in grease, just look like a mess, you know, smelling like crap. I hadn't and heard that story. That was kind of uh, one of the first interactions with Mickelson because he was older than me in school. Um, but that's kind of He's one like, of I came down here for this. Yeah, Could exactly. he not wash his hands first? Yep. <laughs> um, I'm just imagining Brock like coming up, just t- telling his hands off, greasy hands, and like, what's up, guys? Shaking time, Mick's hand. Exactly. And he's just cringing. Like yeah. That's about how it was, really. I kind of love that I feel about like our that's industry. the script of your, like, that would be the movie script. If I was going to script the Brock Morrison <laughs> yeah. movie, it's exactly how we'd find <laughs> the, him. The rag. You know, yeah. yeah. Sliding out on the thing underneath the truck <laughs> or whatever, and then coming up. <laughs> Yeah, it, and back then it was, I mean, there was, the industry had been around for a long time. I, I didn't know anything about it, um, but, you know, they they talked to you about this $2,000 bonus you can get for um, signing up and getting a few deals before the summer starts, and it just all sounds amazing compared to what you're making and what you're doing, and um, I didn't have anything holding me back and um, just decided I was going to give it a try, and me and Zach became pretty pretty good friends. Where'd you um, go that first year? Went to St. Louis. Okay. Yeah, out in the loo. It was it was an awesome summer. Um, so I went. Uh, well, before even that, me and we went on a preseason trip um, out to Phoenix, Arizona. And um, the pitch that Zach told me was that we're just college interns, you know, um, <laughs> seeing how many homes we can protect for free. I don't know even remember what it was, but uh, it was just so it's so funny to think back on on how it started and 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 how we tried to pitch that stuff, but. Yeah, we went out to St. Louis and uh, met some of my some of my really good friends. Uh, ended up moving to Logan after um, St. Louis just to live up there. Ty bought a house and a bunch of us lived up there and started recruiting and um, running some teams and stuff. And so ended up being an Aggie out of it and met all my best friends up there and, and stuff That's like that. That's when I first so, heard of Ty when he was up there and like mm-hmm. had that house and was recruiting and stuff. Yeah, it was. It was pretty fun. Platinum had a, a pretty good run, you know. Uh, smaller teams or smaller smaller company than obviously Apex back then, but um, we had a good culture up in up in uh, Logan and um, got around a couple alarm teams and um, and had a lot of fun with it. So that's kind of what got me into it and, and met a lot of those connections that way. But where did you go the second summer you were with Platinum? Second year, I was. I came that second. The year after Ty was in St. Louis. Yeah. Then I came that next year too. Second year, uh, I ran a team in Virginia Beach. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, third I'm year. I'm surprised that Virginia Beach continues to produce. It's not big, and people smash it there year after year. Yeah. And it keeps producing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it's it's a different little place. Uh, like I don't know that you'd ever go there. Like if you're thinking to go to a beach, but the beaches are are pretty cool and. Um, we were up in like like Fairfax, Virginia, or like DC area in the summer. That's where we'd go like on the weekend. Yeah, like, and we'd go up to hang out in DC. Yeah. Um, Zach was actually running a team up there oh, that right. year. 
Um, yes, yeah, so Virginia was Virginia was pretty fun. And then the next summer, I ran a team in Nashville, um, which ended up kind of being uh, not great. We tried to hit the inner cities really hard, and it and it wasn't uh, wasn't fruitful at all for us. Mm. And about halfway through the summer, we uh, merged with Adam Cox's team. Uh, it's kind of actually how I I got better friends with Adam. Uh, they were up in New York, like upstate New York. Um, and uh, we sold in upstate New York and Erie, Pennsylvania is where we finished out our, our summer. And Beautiful. it was literally like saved our summer. Really? This little town at Erie, mm. uh, the weirdest place you would ever be. But uh, we sold a lot of, lot of accounts It's always there. funny when you're, like, you're on a cruise or something and you meet somebody that's from one of those towns and they're like, oh, you would never know it's up here. And you're like, I know it. You know what I mean? Like I think what of like street you live on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, now <laughs> like, they I don't have want to creep you out, but I know that city very mm-hmm. well. You know you that know? that Pizza Bomber series yeah. on Netflix? Yeah. That was filmed that was in Erie, Pennsylvania. So you know those streets. We know those streets. That, yeah. Uh, what's it called? Um, Evil Genius? Is that what you're, Yeah. Have you seen that Netflix special? Yep. Yeah. Wild. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. It's wild. <laughs> have you seen that? No. Maybe take some time. I know you. I know you. I know you watch Netflix on airplanes. That would be a good one. It's right. so I just crazy. Fin- yeah, I'm good. I'm looking for a good you're one. Right now. Yeah. yeah, Evil Genius. I don't know if you're going to glean any like developmental value from it, but it's, it'll entertain you All for right. a couple hours. So yeah, um, it's crazy to hear those names, right? Like, it, it's funny. Like, and hopefully the people that are listening now, the experience you had with like you just said, okay, I met Ty Mick, and then you came to Platinum where there was Chance. Adam was at Platinum. And then you team up with, you know, Zach Allred and Adam Cox and stuff. Those guys are in the offices now, right? Like five years from now, a lot of people will be like, oh, I joined Thousand Oaks and I was there with Brock and Benji and Jeff and Jacob and, you know, Trollson and all these guys. And five years from now, you'd be like, oh, that's like, that's the who's who of the industry. Those are the guys that will run it years from now. It really, it really is so crazy how it's all connected. And it's funny to think back of like my relationship with, um, with T. Mick, like back then in the early stages, because he was my boss, right? Like we weren't even really friends in the beginning. And like, so if me and Zach were going to chili dog for the day, if we were going to go golfing or whatever, like our clubs were in the back of the truck and Mickelson knew what was going on, but he wasn't going to send us home because yeah. we were still pretty good reps for first years. And <laughs> it's just funny how the chili relationship, golf clubs, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny how the relationship evolves to where eventually, you know, working together and, and running teams and, and different things like that. But yeah, the, the connections you make here are, they're just lifelong and they, they really alter the course of, of my life for sure. Mm-hmm. They've, they've impacted me more than I'd say anything else, just the people I've met in the directions that they've helped me go. What do yeah. you think What do you think causes the connections that are made in this industry to be just unique and special? Because like you talk to people that work in other industries and they're like not that close with the people they work with or they don't hang out with them on the weekends, but it's like the Vivint Solar and maybe it's just in door to door in general, but there seems to be this connection that you have in our industry and maybe it's just, a, you know, in our company that's special. So what do you think is the cause of that? I, I think the main thing is most of the people that, that do what we do are, are somewhat like-minded. Like we're, we're usually competitive. Um, we're usually trying to, to do better. Um, and, and so that obviously usually builds a bond. And for me, the, the friendship, and I mean, we always call the bud time, you know, Ty talks a lot, a lot about that, but um, you connect, you connect, you make real connections. And, and when you go out and do what we do and other people do it alongside of you, you just, it's a level of respect that, that seems to stick. And you know that they've been through the stuff that you've been through and that your group can do 
things that most people can't or wouldn't wouldn't do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's just kind of a cool bond that 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 it, that it makes. It made me think of Ty's story, Mickelson's story of like crying in the gutter, and it's like the fact that you know what that feels like, right? Like where it's not just like you're crying. It's like, hey man. I've drawn man tears in the streets, like doing this yeah. job, right? Just like forged through doing like. Anyone that's done this job for an, a while has been on the brink of tears. Like anyone, and you could be really, really good. And if you're managing a team, all of a sudden you have one of your best friends that's really struggling. And that's like hard to, to work through. And it's like, I mean, this job is one of the most rewarding jobs, but it's rewarding because it's so challenging, right? And it just challenges you as a man or as a person and, and and there's that power of doing hard things together that draws people together. Yep. Okay, so um, it is a cool thing. It's like when I think about all my best friends, it's all from, you know, this job, this industry, and it's because you can you've all been through it together. Right. Yep. So what about how did you how did you go from then because um, you joined up with us <coughs> in Utah when we opened our Utah market. Yeah, so I, I did so I did alarms for four years. Um, up until I got engaged, I got engaged the, the um, April before my last summer, and so I was engaged all through um, that that year yeah, of Nashville. In the summer is hard. Yeah, it right. Was, it's it was rough. Yeah, was it hard for you? It was it was hard for me. Yeah, it's just I mean you just want to be at that stage regardless. You just, you just want to be together all the time. You know what I mean? Um, and so so yeah, so I got engaged, and um, after that summer, it was it was still a good summer. I never thought of door to door. I never thought of alarms as like, hey, I'm going to do this. This is my job. And um, I would say that definitely if I could go back, I would have changed that mindset just because now you, you know, like how great it is, you know what people did. But I was still like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to school. This is my this is going to get me through school and then I'll get my real job, you know? Did you think you're going to run the trucking company or something? Or? So I, I really had no clue, you know, growing up, it's like, I want to be a dentist. That was kind of one of my main things. And then it turned into an attorney. I always thought I wanted to be an attorney. And, um, I went to, I went to a law school class with one of my buddies that was at the U one class. And I was just like, I'm, I can't, there's no way I can do this. There's no way I can get through this because I like school, but I didn't love to. I didn't love to to go that deep. I guess, and um, so yeah. So my thing was just like, hey, I'm gonna do this alarm thing. You know, I'm I'm talented. I can go sell, make some money, not have to work during school, live it up. And uh, so when we're getting married, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna get my real job now. And my my parents uh, own a trucking company, and so I grew up um, around that. And um, they got me in the door at. Um, uh, it used to be Flying J. Have you heard of like yeah. the truck? the truck, truck stop chains. So um, Flying J had this fuel card called uh, that they would sell the trucking companies. And so they had regional sales reps that would cover territories and you'd go meet with trucking companies and get them to buy your fuel, right? Use your card to buy fuel. And so um, our connection with the trucks kind of got me in the door with them. And the, the boss liked me, would hit it off well, even though I was super young, just graduated with my marketing degree, you know. Ready to go. Ready to go to work. <laughs> and, she's uh, tied up in your marketing <laughs> degree. on the world, man. <laughs> That's right, you know. And uh, so I was like, yeah, this is gonna be awesome. You know, they gave me a, a $30,000 base, um, plus potential commission to reach up to like 80 or 100 grand if I was really good. And uh, I had already been making like 50, 60 grand a summer and so I don't know why I thought that I needed a safer place.
place at like 30 plus this commission. Mm -hmm. But anyways, it was just this better job. I was going to be a regional sales manager covering 11 Western states. So I started that job and um, they wanted me to travel every week out of the month. Literally just, you need to be gone three, four or five days to accomplish what you need to do. And uh, I thought it was going to be great, but about six months into it, Fly and J filed bankruptcy. They're worth like $12 million or something and, and they file bankruptcy and pilot another company buys them out and they bring in all their own sales reps. And so now it was like either go into inside sales row or look for something else. And um, my parents wanted to expand the business at that time. And um, I grew up in a small town in, southern, in central Utah, but they opened up another location in St. George. And I was like, well, I'd love to live in St. George. It's a cool place. So I'll move down there and hope you guys get it open and, um, and run it for a while. So we just, uh, we moved to St. George. That's when you are married. Yep. So this is about eight months, nine months after we got married. Uh, we decided to move to St. George and, and kind of get back into the trucking and, and make that a go. Um, and I did that for five years. So um, it, it was awesome. Uh, having, running your own business is, 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 uh, is tough. And we do a lot of things here, like with our own um, teams and stuff that's similar to it. Yeah. You know, but we ran like 80 trucks, uh, had uh, a couple hundred employees, and we hauled livestock. And so um, everything is, is, is serious, right? <laughs> your, your employees, uh, your equipment, and your load can die if it, if it doesn't get where it's yeah. supposed to go, right? Yeah, that's a big deal. Um, but it was fun because um, my work- Your load could die. Your load can die, right? You blow a tire. Uh, you run out of guy. gas, your driver doesn't show up. Put your mind out of the gutter, Ty. And it's not in the gutter, I'm just saying that's a whole problem you oh. don't want to have. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's right. It's like if the, if, the, if the solar shipment's late, it doesn't die. You know? Yeah. It doesn't. <laughs> Continue. Um, but but it, w it was fun. We, uh, uh, we did a lot. I got to travel down here a bunch, uh, working on our customer base because we in and out of LA all the time, um, and um, learned how to deal with employees, um, drivers. Tough, kind of tough to deal with, and then just the stress of it never ending. Right? It's like if if you're not on top of it, then it's it's not going to probably get done the way you want it to. Um, you're like the point person for all logistics and all that kind of stuff. For a lot of that, because my parents, my parents. Are, have been hands-on forever, um, but they were in our other location, so they're a couple hours away, and um, and so a lot of that they they kind of would put on me, and it was the goal for me to to learn it all and to to kind of take it over, right? Um, and and I like that aspect. I like the challenge of it, and I loved working for them because my parents are like they started the business from scratch. My dad drove his own truck. My mom like would call around and get loads, and he'd go pick them up. And like when I was three. Uh, like we spend a lot of time on the truck, just chucking across the country, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, did he own his own trucks? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so he uh, he ran cattle, and um, they would buy a truck <laughs> to transport their own cattle. And then when when you don't need to do that, it's like, well, my truck's sitting here. I might as well go haul some loads and make some mm -hmm. money, right? And and that just evolved into um, getting different contracts and and hustling and and getting more trucks. And my dad's it makes it makes selling door to door not seem so bad. It's dude, it's it's <laughs> that it, sounds like yeah, a, lot a lot. It's literally work. insane, right? Did it's, you like working for the family? I, I loved working I loved working for the family. 
and I loved the business. Like I, I actually loved trucking. I liked the challenge of making it work, finding new routes, customer. Like I loved all of that. Mm -hmm. It was just crazy how how hard it was to keep making it work. How to how expensive it was to keep getting better. And there was so many forces that you couldn't control, whether it's the the government, the state, whatever, whether uh, right. All these factors that can that can take your profits out with, were you the, without were you any doing control. Long hauls or short hauls? Both, yeah, a lot of both. Um, but that's what was the frustrating part for me, and it and it's been the frustrating part for them. Is it's just like you work tirelessly, tirelessly to make this thing happen, and is it ever is it going to get better or is it not? And they've had an amazing life, right? That we've always had good money. I had everything that I needed, but um, they instilled the work ethic that. Um, you just do what it takes to get it done, right? If there's if the driver doesn't show up, then you go get in the truck and you go deliver the load or you're finding somebody to go do it or whatever. Like that's just kind of the mentality that yeah. it was. What a valuable lesson though, because that's something you definitely carry now. Like you've been in Utah, you've been out here in California, you've been in different situations, you've had different market conditions. And it's, it's the interesting thing that I'll say about watching your progress is it's never there's never emotion attached to what needs to be done it's not like oh, i gotta go recruit these it's there's a problem i gotta go solve it right i don't know how to sell a ppa i better learn how we don't really sell loans i better learn how and i, I wonder if that's something and hearing you say that that's instilled in you from being a kid like you just kind of figure it out and go as far as you can until it continues to work how did you get the solar yeah, so um, so I'd been doing that for about five years. Things were going great. Um, you know, I kept getting my raises, so I was making I was making like a hundred grand a year, and they like all benefits, insurance, all that kind of stuff. And so it's a good life. We had we had just built a brand new house in St. George, and you can get a really sweet house in St. George for um, a couple hundred grand. Yeah, a couple hundred grand, can right? You still, now it's a little bit more. But this yeah. was back in like two thousand. Um, what would that be? 14, mm. 13, 14. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so <sighs> the first time I looked at solar though was, was only about two and a half, 2011. So it was right when Boston was getting opened up. And um, randomly, uh, Adam, I was talking to Adam Cox one day and he's just like, hey, he's like, I'm going to Boston. And I'm like, what? Cause he was like doing this pharmaceutical sales in Salt yeah. Lake. He was living the dream and it's like, yeah, I'm going to Boston. I talked to Chance and Ty Mick and I'm going out there and I'm like, no way. And he starts talking to me and, and I get really interested. And so I decided to fly out there and check it out. We were supposed to go to Cabo on a vacation with some of Blair's um, family. And I'm like, I don't know why, but I feel like I need to go out there. So we canceled that trip and I Chance booked me a, a flight to go out to Boston. And it was like right around the same time that Adam was um, was was showing up out there. It's like me and Cox and John Sanders was out there. Um, first time I met John. Your base to the team, right? And uh, so I went out there, and I'm like, so for a couple of days, I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. Let's do this. And so go back home. Um, we put our house up for rent, our first house that we had in St. George, and had a renter set up for it. I'd give my parents a notice. They were telling me how crazy I was to move to the East Coast and do this. And then I just got cold feet. I don't know what happened, but I was just like, I no, can't. You came out and sold for like a couple of weeks, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, and it was like two weeks. Yeah, well, first. I never I'm, knew this. First. I never knew you did that. You're welcome. I trained Brock. Thank you. I taught him everything he knows. Thank you. You're welcome, Brock and Ty. Yeah, yeah thanks. Um, it's one more yeah. on the belt. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> um, no, but you were like crushing it. 
And then the plan was you went home and you're like, you told, he told me, I'll be back and like, you know, I'm going to go home, like get my wife, like <laughs> you I'll be back leave? out. And then he never came back. That is exactly, I actually it's don't basic. even remember it that way, but that is true. Because I went back out it's again. It's like the car salesman letting the working. guy go home and yeah. think about it. And well, what was he supposed to do? His wife wasn't there. He had to go home and get his wife. I had to get my wife, pack up our stuff and move out. didn't even have kids. You bring stuff. her out. I mean, I just took him at his word. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you never do that. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> Ruckets anyway. his ideas on the way home. Yeah, and the next thing I know, he's like, didn't you go back to the family biz or something? Yeah, I just, I don't know what happened, but everything was set to make it happen. And I was just like, it's, it's not what I want to do, I guess. I don't want to live on the East Coast. It, I just wasn't going to do it. So I just, um, I kind of shut that down and went back to work. And it was crazy because I was super good at the trucking. Like things kind of took off. I was way more engaged, way more committed mm. after that happened. And so then I worked trucking for like three more years and um, I just was feeling like not, I don't know if it's not fulfilled, but I just felt like I had more in me. Like there was, there was like more levels. I could probably do more and nothing against what I had learned or any of that. It was awesome. But um, I think I was talking to Mick one day and I, and he's like, Hey, I'm moving to Vegas. I'm like, what are you doing in Vegas? And cause he was like a corporate recruiter for Vivint, you know, living the dream at, at corporate. Like, yeah, I'm going to go open it up. And I'm like, uh, well, make me an offer, dude. I'm, um, I'm interested. And he's like, there's no way you are. And because I was like five months into a new house that we just moved into. And like two seconds later, Chance calls me. <laughs> and uh, we worked Fumbling out a deal. Over the offer. Have an offer. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm in. Let's do it. And I don't know what it was, but I, I didn't have any doubt, even though my parents, because I was like, look, like my friends are making 300 grand a year. And this was back then. And I'm like, I know I'm as good as them because I know that Zach didn't used to work hard. And if he's working decent now, I can go do that. Like, those are the little things I'm <laughs> thinking in my head, right? And I'm like, let's go. Vegas isn't that far away from home. So it's just a small trip. Um, so we sold our house. I sold it in like two days. And uh, we moved to Vegas. And uh, nine days later, uh, I'd sold nine accounts. And then they shut down Vegas on us. That was the worst day. That was, <laughs> that was the worst day. Yeah, it was nuts. Because you guys came from d down there in Utah, but then we had that big old crew from Maryland come out, like Brian Brooker. And yeah, so that's where Milo I met Brooker. And it was gonna be, it was Doug gonna be. Bowman, all those guys were out there. That it was gonna been be a cool. Monster team, right? So yeah, me and Mick moved down, and that's where I met Brooker, and I was pumped to like, because I had heard of him a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and um, yeah, things just didn't work out. So we had the opportunity to move back from Vegas to either Albuquerque or to Utah were kind of the two options. And I was like, Albuquerque, who wants to, who wants to go to Albuquerque? And I'm like, well, let's, let's go back to Utah. Maybe this has all happened for a reason, you know? Um, you guys held it together well. We retained just about every single person from that debacle. But then imagine, we moved some people across the coast, showed up, and nine days later, we shut it down. Some people went to Albuquerque, some people went to Utah, but we kept most of the crew. Mm. Yeah. You guys handled that incredibly well. Yeah, there's, I mean, there wasn't much you could do, right? I mean, I was a little bit wondering about if I had made the right choice to, to leave what I had just <laughs> Because done, the business right? you joined shut down nine days later? <laughs> exactly. yeah, I, I mean, I was like, my parents you, were right. Yeah, it's not going to work question. out. That'll make you question it. Yeah. But it was great. Uh, you know, moved to Utah, um, Wasatch South. Um, we were there for like two years. Um, and um, I, I, I don't. I still, uh, we were like a, we went through some, tr you know, transitions with lease and then we couldn't do lease and then kind of piloting the loan and cash deals. And so Utah was awesome because I actually met a lot of my now good friends too that either worked at corporate or just interactions um, through that. 
Um, but it was kind of a struggle. Like Utah was hard uh, for me, like to sell in Utah in general. Um, and um, one thing I've noticed is like, if you, if you won't let go of, like if you won't, if you can't stop worrying about the things you can't control, then the job gets way too hard. You know what I mean? If, if once, you can, really once you can let go of the things you can't control, there's so much freedom that comes with that. And it's not like it's a new phrase, but um, like that was our problem. And, and uh, cause I love working with Mickelson, John Jensen. Like we had a killer team there. We had a, a big group. Uh, Crown was out there, Judd was out Crown there. Crown was out there. Yeah, uh, Rico, mm -hmm. um, uh, Terry Zantos. Like we had, we had a lot of talent there, um, but we were all focused on the wrong things. It was like always trying to fix problems. I spent more time at corporate than like on the doors. And it was yeah. just, it felt like you could never get ahead and the and 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 um, it just kind of casted just a different atmosphere right and it wasn't on purpose but the lessons that we learned there and and um the the people that i met the relationships i built were awesome to propel me out here and 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 kind of take that next step mm. you know what i mean so it's fun for me to see you guys here and if you guys can't see brock's wife's in the other room about to have a baby in like 48 hours just posting up but um I remember when you had gotten to a point in Utah where you didn't know if you were going to stay with the company, go with another company, go a different direction. And I remember I had the chance, I was in town, I had the chance to meet you at your house. Blair was there. And you just had your girls, is that right? Yeah, they were probably five months old. Yeah. Something like that, four or five months. Yeah. And they were like down for a nap for a second, so I had a moment. But I remember sitting down and saying, hey, you need to come to California, which is another move, right? And... I remember the concerns that your wife had had with moving to the West Coast and things like that. And long story short, I remember saying and thinking, you don't need, the person you are is what is needed out there. If you just go and do what you know how to do, that it will work. And like, I, it, was, it was especially cool for me um, in quarter three when you guys had broken that 300 level. It's cool in quarter four, you spun out a new team. But to see that the growth because of like, I don't know, maybe it's all the years or maybe it's the upbringing or whatever, like hearing that whole story. But the the timing, how it seemed like it wasn't on your side and all of those things uniquely qualified you to go to a point where the pay is now reflective of the value being added to the company in that location. The partners that are there because of you and that were there, you're kind of the missing piece to just light that place on fire. And now, I mean, your partners are doing great, team's doing great. And to see that you've had all the success that, I don't know, it, it happens to me every time, especially that I see your wife. I'm like, I'm so glad that worked. Because <laughs> I remember talking to her with two brand new twin baby girls and being like, you should make this move. And I think that it will work. And dude, you guys have done it. Like it's been, it's a really, really cool story to be a fan of because it's, it worked. Yep. You know? Yeah, that, that day, I mean, that was, a, that was a big decision because I was ready to be done with solar. I was just, I was just tired of dealing with the problems. And uh and then talking with you and, you know, Chance and Paul and, and uh, Blair was totally against it. She's just like, I'm not moving to California. Like my mom's an hour away because with our marriage, we'd always lived like in St. George, which was a long ways from Tremont and they're covering the whole state of Utah. Mm -hmm. Now I'd get her within an hour of her family. And she's like, and now we have kids and you want to leave. And I'm just like, Tough. yeah, but it's, I don't know. You, you have to do things. Um, I feel like at some point you, um, 
you allow yourself to take full responsibility for how your life's going to go instead of like relying on the forces or the the factors that you're dealing with. And um, for me, I think that was that was just a point where it's like, if if we're going to do what we really want with our life, if because we you have our expectation of what your life should be, how you want to live, all that kind of stuff. We're just like, it's not going to happen here. There's nothing that I can do here that's going to be better, at least financially, than what I'm doing. Um, and um, and my focuses were kind of in the wrong spot, you know. Uh, we had had our twins, but I was I was doing CrossFit, I would say full-time and working part-time, you know what I mean? Uh, and then we had our twins, and so that was a, a big a big load, but... Um, when when you when you kind of decide that hey I'm I'm going to take responsibility for my life I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit there and wait for something to happen anymore because um, luck comes upon all of us it's just kind of whether we're ready to to take advantage of that at that moment you know what I mean and and Blair's always been amazing she supported every decision I've wanted to do kind of where she whether she wanted to or not um, but but she's always there, always supportive, and um, this one was a hard one for us to make. Um, but in the end, she kind of knew that it's what we should do as well, you know. Yeah. Fast forward to the rally. Um, I want to talk about I want to talk about the goat division and um, Brock winning the rally a couple of years ago. So uh, walk us through, you know, the year before, kind of how you finished. And then for those of you guys that don't know, maybe if they're brand new to the company, the rally every year is, it's our, basically it's just our, you know, who's the best rep in the company basically, right? Uh, over a sustained period of time. So, um, so we have different divisions and the GOAT division are, is the top, what, 3% of the company probably? Yeah. Uh, probably top 3%. And we put all them against each other and so walk us through. Were you in the goat division the previous year? No, previous year I was the one down. Um, so franchise or whatever it was, all American or yep. just whatever it was called. Yeah. And then so then you're in the goat, and I mean, take us through it because that's a. Yeah. So, I, I, side note: the the rally is one competition that you win and you get crowned the goat for that year. I would never say that I'm the goat of solar. We know who that is. It's Dave Madsen. When it comes to sales and so he's going to carry the title but yeah the rally was to me it was it was another level for me and i think it's uh why i like competing so much is it allows yourself to do things you wouldn't normally do it allows yourself to get to a place that you wouldn't normally get to and um for some reason that's what that rally was for me um because i'd had i mean i'd been pretty consistent i was doing 21 installs you know a little bit more a quarter but never really branched out. And uh, we just got into that thing and, and I didn't necessarily start with the mindset that I was gonna win, but I had some pretty good, um, pretty good flow going at the time. And every week I just kept getting stronger. And um, it's, just, it's, just a, it's just different. You, <laughs> you get to a point where um, like you feel like you can sell anybody you talk to. You feel like you're so confident and you're so, um, you're so in the zone with what you're trying to accomplish that hour and that day that it's it's crazy because when you're not in that mindset like some days you feel like you couldn't sell anybody in the world but when you when you buy into the competitions especially the Vivint does like it's one of my favorite things at the company because it allows you to win cool stuff for doing the same thing and then it just propels you to reach different 
different levels in your in, within yourself. That's, you know what that's I mean? That's interesting. I've never heard anybody say that because, you know, the the inverse effect could be the anxiety and pressure of today I have to go sell. I don't know if I'm going to sell, but you said you got to a point where you were so bought in that you felt like you could sell anybody. Yeah, that's crazy. It was like in in my mind, I was like, yeah. Um, so I'll get I'll get you know three or four today, three or four tomorrow. So I'll have at least six or eight to close on Wednesday, but I'll still create two or three more Wednesday. So by the end of the week, I'm gonna have at least this many closes. Like it was just nuts. I would just tell myself it was gonna happen and then it would go happen. And, uh, but it was it was 100% in and and my and Blair was on board too. Like we had fun with it. She understood what, what I was trying to do. And like one of the kind of pivotal moments of it is um, towards the end of the, the rally, I think it was the semifinals, it was like, the last day of one of the matchups was on the 4th of July. And I'm like, who planned this thing, right? <laughs> and- uh, 4th of July, the fourth I remember. Of, right? And uh, like normally holidays, yeah, you might get out and get some production early and then you're gonna go celebrate or whatever. But uh, I remember it was, I think it was like 7.30 at night and I'm still out knocking because this, the other, the other person was like right ahead of me. Um, I think it was Joy, I don't remember, but um, so I was in the backyard, people were having barbecues and I'm, I'm selling them solar. And when I think about that now, I don't think you could get me to be in somebody's house at, at seven o'clock on the 4th of July for any reason. But when you're, when you allow yourself to be all in on something, it, it's funny how it doesn't matter, right? Totally. It doesn't matter what's happening. And when you think back to those experiences, it helps you get through the other hard times, right? That oh, I can't get out because this is happening in my area or because this happens like, no, you've allowed yourself to be at another level. You can sustain, you can get, you can raise your thermostat a little bit for the rest of the time. When did the, when did the moment come where you started really believing that you could win this thing? Um, so I think uh, like Mike, I had a matchup against uh, Kate, Kevin Fatia and, and one against Mike or something and I don't know what was going on with those guys, but they didn't come as hard as, as I thought they would, or I just had enough momentum. Did you change that, up your hours? Like what time were you out on the field every day? Yeah, yeah, so so I'd be out, um, you know, by 10.30 or 11, um, and, 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 and then just, just working until, until you get done, right? Yeah. Whatever, nine or 10. Um, but you get past, I got past a couple of those names, and David just had twins. Um, that year, and I think his wife was just like, honestly, if you could just not do this yeah, one right now, like, just help me, right? <laughs> um, and so it would have been fun to, to go against Dave because Dave is really good, um, but at the level I was at right then, it was just fun. I felt like I could compete with anybody. Um, and so, yeah, those guys got done, and um, it was just like, yeah, this is mine. Like, I can, I, I should be the one that wins this at this point, and if I don't, it's a very big letdown. Mm -hmm. um, but how can you, how do you tap into that though? Cause it's just like the way you're making it sound, it's just the way you were thinking at the time. So, and, and you know, when I look at your team now to be at the flagship division of your team and to be installing at the level that they are, how do how do, what advice would you give to people to get their mind on that level? You feel like you figured it out or you just touch it every now and then? So, um, so I feel like I, I had it, I had it figured out for a while because the initial mindset with my team was just like, hey, I need to, I need to, like you always say, beat them badly. Like I need to come in and, and show these guys that I can sell double or triple what they're selling just to raise their level a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
And that was kind of my mindset coming down to California is like, crap, I'm as good as anybody. Like, go impress myself for a minute. You know what I mean? And uh, so that was kind of the initial mindset. And I think that's what goes a long ways is um, try to impress yourself because uh, it's, it's hard to, for me to do that. And I think it's hard for most of us. We can act like we did good things or whatever if we hit our number that we're supposed to hit, but it's usually not impressive to us. And I just wanted to start being impressive to me. You know what I mean? And, and when you do that, you obviously get praise from everybody else and, and you're, you're hitting things that you're supposed to be. But that's what, that's what I kind of tapped into is I was just like, holy cow, like I can keep doing better. Like I can keep doing more. I can keep doing more. And it's funny because all of my team responded the same way. It was just like their, their lids came off as well. And they went from guys like Josh Cohen doing, you know, six or seven installs to consistently up to 21, like, you know, repetition. And uh, that's what was so cool about that experience because I felt like since I finally could allow myself to do what I really think I was capable of, it just, it opened the door for the team to, to kind of take off and to get to another level as well. They had nine people that quarter at the all-star level, nine on that so team. Cool. It's crazy. Like that's the effect of, I, I like how you said that, impressing yourself. Everything else comes as a result of of that. People want to be inspired. They want to see what's possible. What was the best day and the best week you had during the rally? Um, I think it was the I think it was the finals week. Um, oh, it was the semifinals because the finals was over. The semifinals was the match. It was me against Seichow. That always happens. It's the, yeah. the match before the final match. The yeah. finals almost ends up being like the last day of the Tour de France, where it's almost like a victory lap, yeah, depending yeah, yeah. on. Because you just crushed that Saturday, and then yeah, I had like I think over. it was twenty, mm. it was like twenty-five ACs and like nineteen welcome calls or something. The <laughs> in last the semifinal, week. yeah, in the semifinal match, and all almost all the welcome calls come on Saturday because of the sandbagging yeah. thing. Yeah. And so the other dude woke up Monday to like not even a chance. <laughs> you know what I mean? He woke up to a house Who collapsed on top of him. I don't remember. He's a San Diego guy. He's not. He's not here anymore. But. Um, Went ahead and packed up and left, is that? Yeah. yeah you made him quit. <laughs> no, he was here for a while. That wasn't the reason. <laughs> um, but no, it was, that was fun. I love all the competitions. That's, I don't know, with this, with this job, you have, to, you have to want to compete, you know? Otherwise, the job kind of gets too monotonous and you make it too hard. And so if you can, you can use those outside forces to, to help yourself stay engaged. And, yeah. Those effective distractions, right? Welcome the effective distractions. It's, you guys do a great job at that. Let, we'll close out on this, but one of the things that I would say you're best at is you, I don't know if it's conscious or not, but you have an ability to keep things really simple. Um, and you know, good sellers and good teachers and stuff can always do that. They can break things down to its simplest form. Um, is that something that's conscious for you? Maybe talk about your mentality to close us out on, on your philosophy towards accomplishing these difficult things that you've accomplished? Yeah, um, I, I think that that sums it up a ton. And um, <laughs> Blair even says, like, the time should be like, well, you're kind of boring. And, and I think in, like, my mindset maybe is kind of boring because it, it doesn't have to be more than it needs to be, right? And um, I don't know, maybe if I come across short to people, it's, it's never a reason. It's just because like, if I can tell you what I need to say in a couple words, then that's how I want to say it, right? And um, with most things in life, we complicate it more than it needs to be complicated. 
uh, and that translates 100% to this job. And whether it's your mindset or your pitch or, or, or your clothes, any of that kind of stuff, um, the simplest form being direct, um, one, it builds confidence because you don't have to have any type of fluff or fillers. You, you're just saying what needs to be said. Um, and so um, for me, that's, that's, what, that's, that's, that's what builds my confidence. That's what's helped carry me through. And that's what I try to teach all of my reps as well. Um, keep it as simple as you can. And um, you avoid a lot of distractions that way as well. You know what I mean? I agree. Well, it's been fun to watch you grow. I'm excited to see what, what comes next. Congratulations on all your success. Thanks, man. Thanks for hanging out with us today, man. We're well into the night on this one, so <laughs> thanks for it's coming been down. Long. And yeah. Yeah, it's been great. And thank you guys for tuning in. This has been another episode of Electric People. Thanks, Brock. If you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, check us out at viventsolar.com forward slash careers. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a great review and leave us a five-star rating. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.